Today is March the 8th, 2015. The title of today is Them. Them, T-H-E-M. If you would turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Before we get out of here today, we are going to uh, recognize the Treasters. I think that today may be the last day before you guys launch out down uh, in their pastorate. And so we're going to support them. We, I know we've prayed over them. And you know what? We're going to do it again. So there, take that. Um, there's been something that's just been burning in my heart and, uh, and the Treasters getting sent out and, and different things taking place in our lives and in your lives. Um, the words that came forth today... Um, these are the type of things that not only confirm, but it goes, oh, well, Lord, you are clearly speaking a word to us. Um, the word for me, the way I've been hearing it is just them. What am I doing for them? How am I preparing for them? Well, who, who's the them, (laughs) who's the them that you're talking about? Uh, I don't know in all the cases. The reason that we're going to have a work day in a couple weeks, I'm just trying to get ready for them. We're just going to get ready for them. We're going to look at things, and why are we having a uh, kids' ministry training today? Because um, we're going to get ready for them. Uh, we're just going to prepare, and we're not uh, seeking numbers. We're not trying to do that. We want to have an actual harvest here, and we want to have people. I feel like that there is a spirit of evangelism. Pastor Eric mentioned it this morning, that God is requiring of us as a church. This is the direction as a church that we should take in the next step, is it's going to be evangelistic. We're not going to stop raising up ministers. We're not going to stop ministering to the people here. And we're going to focus on the them. Everybody say them. Everybody say, I'm going to focus on them. You know, a lot of things get better in our lives sometimes when we just quit focusing on us. And we just start focusing on them. Wherever, wherever they are, whoever it is, whatever they may be doing at the moment, we're going to set it up where they're going to have a crash course and they're going to have to interact with Jesus Christ. And they're going to do it because we're there. Whether it's in a, uh, a prison in Beeville, Texas, whether it's in Arcadian Sugarland, for some people who just moved there, the whole goal is just to impact people for the kingdom. That's it. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be, and that's where you're supposed to be making an impact. But I work by myself. Well, so you never see anyone else. You never go to the store. You never go to Starbucks. You never, oh, but I'm homeschooled. Doesn't matter. We don't have an excuse not to be looking for the them. Turn to John, you're already in John chapter 4. Let's start. Let's start in verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Well, that's interesting. Huh. Of course, John and Jesus were not in competition. So, Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Um, we're just going to kind of be reading through some things. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture. We have, the, we have the potential to cover a lot of Scripture today. And we're going to kind of hang out here in John 4 for just a few minutes. In fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Can I encourage you? Um, when I became a principal of a certain private school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, one of the things that I felt like God told me and that I kind of led, I had never seen anyone else do this, that seems to be the pattern of my life. I'm not quite sure. I've never really seen anybody do this, and here we go. 
But I felt God spoke to me about the students there at Parkview, and I said, the, the approach that I took was, this is not my school. I'm the principal of the high school, but this is not my school. This is your school. And I actually preached it, preached it from the, from the pep rallies, and I preached it from the announcements from the t- through the teachers, and I preached it a lot of different ways. I said, this is your school. This, this is, this is going to be, your high school experience is going to be what you make of it. Now, obviously, that was a, a school, and there were saved and unsaved there, and that meant a lot of different things. I just want to encourage you. This is our church. This is your church. This is your church. Um, there's not a handful of people here that we expect to do all of the discipleship. There's not or the, all of the evangelism here. We want to be uh, a kingdom of priests. We want to be a group of people, and each one of you, in case, in case somehow this got lost over time, sometimes uh, I had a friend of mine who would always say that vision leaks. It just leaks. Oh, I knew that at one point, and then I forgot. Uh, if you're in athletics, if you grew up in athletics, you know you do the same fundamental things all the time. If you were a band nerd like me, some band nerds in the house, just saying, I know who you are. Uh, if you're a band nerd like me, you know what? Uh, and as a band director, I learned that if I didn't spend a portion of every day doing some fundamental things, let me say it in a more positive way. I learned that if I did spend time every day on certain fundamental things, when it came to the hard stuff, it was a whole lot easier. I knew how to drill them on the basics so that when it came up in real life, their music would be even better. Okay? This is a fundamental for us is that this is your church. This is our church. Everybody say, this is my church. Everybody say, this is our church. Hear those possessive words in there? This is your church, Ibrahim. It's yours. What are you going to do with it? What, what, what are we doing with it? It's not about somebody else is not waiting for permission to be who you are called to be. I'm going to give you permission now. Be who God has called you to be. Amen. You have permission. Granted. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? You don't really need... Yeah, sometimes we do. I'm telling you today that you have permission to be as on fire for God as you can ever get. We have a pulpit and what... Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt have established over the years. I love that literally I can call on 10 different people at the drop of a hat and they can come up here and preach and preach the fire, right? So whether you can get up here, don't let whether you have a microphone strapped on or holding a microphone be what keeps you from doing what God has called you to do. You go ahead and do that. You go ahead and be liberated to do that because look, even Jesus set that example. When the Lord... um, Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. (laughs) He was actually getting in trouble for things he technically wasn't doing. I would love to get in trouble for things that I'm not even doing. Man, that church, uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, Pastor, they're just baptizing all kinds of people. (laughs) Actually, I hadn't dipped my hand in water in a long time. It's just happening. There are salvations happening. There are people getting baptized in the Spirit. There are words coming forth. It's just, this is just our church. This is what we do together. We're going to lock arms and watch God move in powerful ways. Verse 3, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. You ever had anything you had to go through? <laughs> had to. Uh, I really didn't have another option. I had to go do this. <laughs> I will not name certain states or cities. 
at this point. Although the scripture does here. Now he had to go through Samaria. There may be some things that you have to do. And I'm going to trust that those are divine appointments for your life. Look for the divine appointments. Verse 5, so he came into a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Hmm. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. I love the scripture. I love the fact that my Savior was tired from the journey. (laughs) Sounds weird, right? The Bible inserts those things to remind us not only was he all God, but he understands where we're coming from. If you are wearied and labored, he understands where you're coming from. So he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. If I had time, we could go in, and and you guys are such great Bible scholars that you can learn about Jacob's well. We can learn about Joseph's bones being put there as well. By the way, if you don't come on Monday nights, typically, let me encourage you. These type of topics we actually cover all the time. So I will refrain from going into them now and say, come on Monday. You'll love it. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? The God of all creation is the initiator of these conversations. The conversations that you need to have with them are going to be initiated because Jesus Christ is there. He is going to cause something to work out, the situation to work out. He was just tired, and he sat down by Jacob's well. It's a good place to sit down, right? The circumstances that were going on led this whole entire situation to happen. Will you give me a drink? Verse 8, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Filling you in on some details, because it'll come back in just a little while. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And the Bible helps make a commentary upon itself here. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. If you were here last Monday night, you know more about that. Plug number two for Monday nights. Isn't that interesting, though? Every time that I've ever spoken with someone about Jesus, every time it comes up in conversation, it is not unusual for this exact pattern to happen in real life, in my life, this is real, (laughs) in my life, just as it did here in the Scripture. Jesus engages someone. He starts talking to them. And what does she say? The very first thing is that somebody wants to tell you why this isn't going to work. You, you, you catch a, a waiter's eye and you start talking and, and you're making a joke here or there. And then you start, then there's a, a point where you can start engaging them with the scripture. And it's not unusual for this to be a very typical answer. Hey, look. Hey, Whoa whoa, let me give you my reason why this won't work. This whole discussion, this thing where you're about to take this, let me just tell you why it won't work. Let me just get that out there in front. Let me just tell you ahead of time. (laughs) You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? How can you do that? Don't you know the cultural norms? Don't you understand what's going on here? Jesus answered her. Aren't you glad that God has patience with all of us? When we don't answer well, he just answers and starts correcting everything and addresses the real issue. She's saying, hey, you can't do this. That's against the culture of our time. 
mean, you can't go talk to a Muslim like that. You can't approach a Muslim about Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't approach, you can't talk about, okay, let's see. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, everybody say gift of God. And who it is that asks you for a drink. People miss out because they just don't understand who he is. They don't understand. You've been given eyes to see and they haven't. They just don't get it. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. Does that remind you of another passage real close here in John? Turn to John. Hold your place there. Turn to John chapter 7. Verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. You know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't just give you water to satisfy your thirst. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can literally become a source for other people. Verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Back to John chapter 4. (laughs) So she starts off and she says, hey, look, let me tell you why this won't work. Jesus says, I am a gift, and I will put my living water within you. She says, sir, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? He's piqued your curiosity. He's (laughs) just reeling her in. She doesn't even know it yet. She's still answering in a very natural way. Don't be surprised when ungodly people answer in the only way that they know how. Hey, man, I've got this incredible thing. Really? Whoa. Hey, no, really, this is something that is, it's a gift from God. It's the very living water. It's the thing that you've been looking for. It's the, that satisfaction that you keep looking for in all those other areas. I know what it is. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Um. I don't know if you've ever talked to people and then they start kind of getting where it's going so they try to sound religious too. Like you're you're talking to them and, oh, what do you do? You know, I work for an international corporation. You know, (laughs) they're like, oh, really? Yeah, it's amazing. We have have stations across the globe. We're we're multicultural, we're multinational, we're multigenerational. I mean, we do some amazing things where I work. I mean, just some amazing things. (laughs) <laughs> and then after you, you get down to the point, and you're like, hey, it's, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I work for a church. Oh, I used to go to church. Or they'll try to fill whatever lame little connection they have, right? Sometimes you're like, hey, all right, good job. We're connecting now. <laughs> but she goes back to, hey, are you greater? He's sitting at Jacob's well, right? The, the setting here is not lost on her or him. 
Hey, are you, wait, wait. It's starting to trouble her. It's starting to bother her. Are you greater? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us, this, uh, gave us the well and drank from it himself, himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Become the source. Folks, you have the source. God doesn't fill us with his Holy Spirit so we can go, hey, look, I can speak in tongues. Hey, look, isn't it cool that I can prophesy to someone as the Lord gives utterance? That's not why he empowers you. Why does he empower you? So that you will go and be a witness to those in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The reason that we have what we have as a church is for them. The reason that you've been given whatever gifts that you've been given is for them. Your personality, what God has built in you, it's for them. You know, everywhere I go, I, I find myself connecting with, I find teachers and school people everywhere I go. You know why? Because that was kind of my background and, and that's, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher. Well, of course you are. That's usually my response. Well, of course you are. When I was a kid's pastor, I would go and I felt like I'd walk into, and this didn't happen before, but when I was a children's pastor, I, walked, I would walk in rooms and like become the baby whisperer. Kids would flock to me, oh, you know, like a pet detective or something. They would just, they would just come up. That's just, just making sure you're awake. That whole time change, I got to keep you with me here. It would just kind of happen and babies would be crying and I'd just walk by and make faces at him and they'd quit crying. You're like, huh, look at what God's doing. If you connect with certain type of people, go after those people. <laughs> go after them. When you connect and you find something special, dig in and see what the Lord is doing there. It's not that he gave you that so you can go, oh, that was kind of cool. We had a neat conversation. God has given you an opportunity to see if this person can meet the Savior of all creation. Perhaps today you plant. Perhaps tomorrow you water. It's God that's going to give the increase. Perhaps he'll let you be there when the increase is given. Amen? This woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't, keep, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. Amen for God's patience, right? Oh, that sounds really cool. I could work less hard. <laughs> I can personally get something out of this. That's awesome. Well, that's not quite where we're going. And look at how Jesus flips the switch here. He's been kind of reeling her in, and here's what happens. Verse 16, he told her, go, to your hus- go call your husband and come back. Now we're going to get to it. Now we're going to kind of dig in just a little bit. Um, I like it when the corner gets turned into conversation. I like it when you're talking to somebody and it seems like nothing, and then all of a sudden you go, so how's your walk with the Lord? So, how's your lifestyle working out for you right now? You happy? You at peace? You can go to sleep well at night? That's the kind of conversation that Jesus just does right here. He said, hey, so go call your husband and come on back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. (laughs) 
And I love how Jesus responds. He said to her, you are right. He didn't say, liar! You sinner! Liar! He, he could have. But what he said was, you are right when you say that you have no husband. Uh, when you're getting a witness to somebody, when you're getting to share the gospel with somebody, listen, and they will inevitably, by the Spirit of God, you will hear that they will say exactly what you need to respond to. They will say something and you'll go, you know what? You're exactly right. You kind of find, you're trying to find a place to kind of get in there deeper and start talking to them deeper. And then they'll say something and you'll go, you're right. As a matter of fact, you are exactly correct. Let me start from there. Let me, let me find the eunuch that's on the, on the chariot. Let me, let me just start from where you are and let's take you to where the gospel is. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. He, re- he emphasizes it. Yep, you're right. In a prophetic moment, he actually prophesies to her and tells her truth and yet affirms her in the conversation. Wow. Because we know that she was really trying to be deceptive. Like she, didn't, she wasn't going to spill all the beans to him right there. She'd known this guy for how long? What, four minutes, five minutes? <laughs> Whatever this is. You are right when you say you have no husband. Uh, verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So she went from, hey, you can't do this. You know that this is against the rules, right? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, you know, that whole culture thing. She then turns to, hey, you just don't have the actual stuff to do what it is that you're saying. You can't make this happen. <laughs> you're the wrong person, and you don't have what it takes, was her first two responses. And now she's starting to rec- recognize something special. Folks, the reason that we have a gift of prophecy is so that we can break through things like this. And God can give you a word of knowledge. He can give you a word of prophecy. And they go, wow. Wow, there's, there's something significant about what you're saying. I, I'm connecting with you in a different... Oh, my heart is pierced by what you're saying. Verse 19, sir, the woman replied, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain... But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. I think we talked about that Monday night. Just, just trying to go there. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Salvation for all mankind is from, okay, let's all say it together. Salvation is from, hmm, interesting. Why does your church so focus so much on that kind of stuff? Well, maybe it's because this is the origin. Yet a time is coming and has now come. I love that phrase. It makes me think why he said it the way he did. Perhaps that by the time he started the sentence, it was a time that was still coming. And by the time he got five words into it, it had now come. (laughs) No, like right now it's the time. Time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. There is no other way. 
there is actually no other way to worship. You can sing in a lot of different states. You can um, do music in a lot of different conditions. You cannot actually worship unless you're worshiping in spirit and truth. It's the only way. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah. (laughs) Where did she start off? Nope, can't do this. Her second response after he says, I'm a gift, living water. She says, hey, you don't even have what it takes. Like She's still processing through it. She finally recognizes that he's a prophet because what? He, as my dad used to say, he read her mail. Somebody walk up, doesn't know you, and tell you exactly what's going on. You're like, whoa. She goes to a prophet, and then she starts talking about Messiah. Do you see how this is just, she's getting closer throughout this process. Her language is changing. Oh, you know, now that you mention it, there's this Messiah guy. When said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I am he who speaks to you. The I am reveals himself. (laughs) I sometimes wonder if this took as long as it takes to read it, how long this entire interaction was. Can you see her walking down the the dusty road coming up to the well? (laughs) In just a matter of moments, Jesus, the Messiah, reveals himself to this woman. He reveals, hey, I am. We've heard that before, right? I am. I am the one. From Exodus, from all throughout the Bible, you hear I am over and over again. When Jesus says that, that has got to be a, the most powerful moment in this woman's life up to now. And then we take a little commercial break, right? Verse 27. Just then... He reveals who he is. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. They're kind of starting back where the Samaritan woman did, right? You're not supposed to be doing that. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Yeah, big, bold, brave disciples that they were. They all thought it. And no one had the guts to say anything to him. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar... I'm reminded of Jesus' first miracle when he turned water to wine. The water were in these earthen jars. Leaving her water jar. The very reason that she had come, she was leaving that earthly part and saying, she gets, Jesus reveals himself to her. The disciples walk up. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come! See a man who told me everything I ever did. Actually, he just said that you had had five husbands, and right? Might as well have been everything she had ever done. How do we respond? We are so blessed here at this church. We have God show up in our midst on a regular basis. We don't need sound systems. We don't need staging. We just have Jesus that shows up all the time. Her response because of this great revelation was she had to say, hey, everybody, come and see. Come and see. Everybody say that with me. Say, come and see. Come see, Shah. 
South Louisiana Cajun. Come see. Hey, when's the last time that you just asked somebody to come and see? When is the last time that you said to somebody at work, hey, just come see? Come see. Come see us at church. You're going to love it. Uh, and by the way, when she said come see, I'm just going to try to be real here. I haven't necessarily heard anybody say it, but um, she didn't say come see. Hey, the line might be kind of long when you come see him. Um, um, she didn't make excuses for what or what she thought would or wouldn't happen. Well, I don't think she told him how long the service was going to be. I don't think she told him to bring a snack just in case, because it could go like all day long. I don't think she warned her that the music is kind of a long, involved process. I, I, I just don't think, I think she just said, come see. You know what I'm learning in my life? I don't, and I, we, we shared this with some folks that we got to hang out with this week. I am learning in my life, and I'm trying to be better at it. I do not want to say no for other people, meaning this. Before I ask them a question, I'm not going to figure out 47 reasons why they could turn me down. And then I don't ask. I'm just going to go ahead and ask them. Hey, come see. Come to church with me. Come to church with me. Well, there's a lot of people that say they will, right? They don't always. But I'm going to let them say no. I'm not going to say no for them. I'm not going to say no because I'm not quite sure how they're going to respond. I'm just going to let them do whatever it is that they're going to do, but I'm going to put the decision in their, in their court. This woman says, come and see. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Could this be the Christ? Gosh, she went from rebuking him, if you want to call it that. Hey, we can't even do this. Why are you talking to me? To, hey, guys, this might be the Messiah. <laughs> He said that he is, and there's something that jumped alive in me. You guys got to come see. Verse 30, verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Whatever she said got a lot of people moving with her and her five minutes worth of salvation. She got a lot of people moving. Because they knew, I'm sure that all those people knew about her and her five husbands and the guy she was living with. Huh. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. That's nice of him. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> I love their response because I reflect this more than I should. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Hello, think McFly, think. While I'm referencing old movies, I figured I'd just keep going. Doesn't Jesus do that to you? I mean, come on, really, am I the only one? Where he comes in and says something, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Sweet food. <laughs> like, I think you missed the whole stinking point of everything. I love this story because it shows that the disciples weren't that far from being exactly like the Samaritan woman. Uh, actually, they were less bold because she at least said what she was thinking. Right? They didn't even say what they were like, uh, well, we're all thinking it, but we're not going to say it. My, will is to do the one, my food is to do the one who will send me. Um, 
maybe someone else brought him some sandwiches. Okay, well, let's keep going. Thank you, God, that he's patient with us. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Everybody say, finish his work. I do not want to be a person known for starting a work only. I've had lots of people start things around me and never finish. Don't talk to me about doing it until you can show me that you're going to finish this thing. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? Well, we'll just keep kind of working at what we're doing because later on there's going to be a harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Uh, I tell you, LCMF, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Ephesians 1, uh, 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that it will be opened, that you can see him. Let's open our eyes. I can recall in the past several weeks of, and even several months of prophecies about evangelism, about prophecies about a harvest that's going to come in, Anybody else there? Anybody else remember, in, have heard any of these things? Right? Don't say, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. LCMF, the fields in your world are ripe for harvest. At your workplace, they're ripe for harvest. In your community, your neighbors, I work all by myself. Well, good, you have neighbors. You go to the store. The area that God has planted you, the field that God has planted you in, is ripe for the harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Whether I sow or whether I get to reap, I'm going to be glad. I'm going to be glad. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Boy, isn't that nice? Isn't it nice when you just get to walk into somebody and they're like, what must I do to be saved? Those are nice. Teed up, nice little softball on a tee, you know? Yay. Truth is, is I didn't work for it. I just got to come in and close the deal at the end. That's, that's just fun. That's like, okay, thank you, Lord, because, man, who knows how many grandparents have been praying for that one? Who knows how many tears have been shed for me to just walk in and be like, ta-da, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I want to sow enough labor that someone else can come along and reap the benefits. Let's leave it for even other people. Let's do so much work that that's happening and we're not even the ones praying for them. We're not even seeing it, but it's just happening because of the work that we're putting in. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I'm going to read that again. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Wow. That's a neat place to start. Because she said something, because she drew people and said, you guys have got to come and see. They actually believed because of her. He told me everything I, I ever did. That was the catchphrase that caught their heart and caught their mind. <laughs> this guy, like, he said stuff that he shouldn't have been able to know. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. Guys, in a matter of 
let's just say two and a half days here, all this story is taking place from very beginning to very end of this portion of the story. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Isn't that a great transition? When a young person says, I now believe in Jesus Christ, not only because of what my parents have instructed me, but this is real and it's personal. Isn't it great when somebody comes in and they're a new believer? They're like, really? I just can't. I kind of bought into you. Like, you seemed like something was going on and you said something and it made me feel kind of funny, but now it's personal. It's shifted from come and see and now I'm the one that's supposed to go and tell. Like, it's, there's a shift. There's a marked difference here. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They did not come to him because they understood he was the Savior of the world to start with. They did not get that while they came. The revelation came after they came and saw him. That's why it's so important for the them. This church does is, is better than any church that I know of in discipling people. Um, and we will continue to do so. And I'm kind of excited about the idea of discipling some, some new people. Let's, let's take them. Let's take the broken. Let's take the ones that maybe nobody else wants. We'll take them. We'll t- whether, whether anybody else wants them or not. Whether everybody wants them or whether nobody wants them. We'll take them. You know why? Because we're going we're gonna to say, come and see. Just come and see. Just come check it out. Because we know that we have <laughs> rivers of living water. We've got the source. We have got the source. Take a look at another few scriptures here. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 4. Can I, I understand that this is a rudimentary topic. Yes, would you agree? Rudimentary. It's basic. It's not difficult for us to understand. Um, I want to encourage you that this is not merely about understanding. This is about doing. This is not designed to be a theology lesson for us today. If you can't figure out that he said to go and you should go, well then, that's a whole other story. He said to go into all the world. I want to go into all the world. When we do a mission trip here at this church, my default is, yes, I'm going to go. Unless God says something different and makes it where it makes sense for me not to go. Literally, every mission trip, I'm ready. Pastor Eric doesn't have to ask me, I'm yes. And now let me go pray about this and see if this is God's will or not. Maybe I need to stay here and huh, I want to be married to the church. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go anywhere. So I'm going to stay for now. I'm going to be praying fervently for India and I'm going to stay because I, I want to be here. There's no place in the world that I would rather be than this right now. But I want to reach the far side of the world and I want to reach my neighbor. I don't want to neglect one for the other. I don't want to do one in place of the other. Well, no. I mean, we're going around the world. Go across the street. Knock on your neighbor's door. The neighbor, the people who live closest to you, those actually neighbors, not a hypothetical, God told me to love my neighbors and all of Christendom. 
Yes, amen, love them too. Love your neighbor as yourself. The one right there. And in my case, the one there and there and there and there and there and there. We've got Stacy and Tyrone. They live right upstairs. We've got three kids, cutest kids ever, three-year-old. In the middle of the night, it sounds like they're trading elephants every night. You're like, Lord, we pray for Stacy and Tyrone. Little Mason, he's a cute kid. He really is. He must wear like lead in his shoes at night. I'm telling you. Like, are you practicing clogging at its, if we were early bed people, then this would be upsetting and we just ignore it. You know, I, I, I mean, I know my neighbors, the neighbors that are walls butt up to each, each other. Um, that's Joe and Lucy. I love Joe and Lucy. They just had their fourth kid. They are really, a really a neat couple. He's a little quirky, but once you get to know him, super neat guy. I'm sure he says the same thing about me. Really quirky kind of guy. Quirky, right? <laughs> that can be a nice way to say he's just a little weird, right? Quirky. There's people who work in our office. Yara. She's from Puerto Rico. She is a, she is a hatamale. She, she is so spicy, it's great. I love her. She's, she's fantastic. She let me take her son the other day to actually go to a firing range because he has no male influences in his life. Uh, not any that aren't homosexual. So he has no male influences in his life. Um, Gina. I know Gina. Why am I stopping to tell you names? Um, Gina it works in our front office, and um, every time I talk to her the last, I talk to her just about every day. Pop my head in. Sometimes it's 30 seconds, and if they're busy, I'll just wave at them. Literally yesterday, I walked in the office, and Yara and Gina, they're like, Yara asked me, she said, do you have any ice? Um, no. She's like, our ice, blah, blah, blah. So I walked over to my house and got some glasses and filled it up with ice and went and got them some drinks and just gave it to them. Literally. <laughs> a Dr. Pepper and a Coke with ice. Just handed it to them. Uh, Gina, my friend, almost started crying. You're like, seriously, it, I, I walked 14 paces that way. In 28 seconds, I was back here, including the walking time. Started talking about and bragging on my son. He was at somebody's house helping under Pastor Eric's supervision. I was just bragging. I was bragging on our kids here. I was bragging on our church and how hard they work. What a, what a young man that my son is becoming. She started tearing up again. She's got a little five-year-old son. I'm going to try to love my neighbors as myself. She's from Colombia. She doesn't love the Lord at all, but I love her. Yara, she's a little party mom, and I love her. We're making, um, and the reason I'm saying these names, I don't want you to remember the party mom and the, you know, because hopefully you will see them here one day with us because we're inviting. Every week I invite them. 
every single time. I see them. I just love on them. They know who I am. They know what I do. I tell them our stories of Mexico and say, you need to teach me Spanish. So I don't have to look at Nick and go, what are they saying? (laughs) I'm trying. I want to love my neighbor as myself. Especially the ungodly ones. You guys are easy to love. Y'all are a piece of cake. It is a joy to work with y'all. I mean, it, it, it is the greatest honor in my life. But if I just love the people who can love me back, then what good is that? That doesn't actually show that my love is very intense or very godly. I want to love the people who don't love me back. I want to love the people who spit in my face. I want to love people who could care less about what I do. I want to love the people who won't give me the time of day. At this point in my life, I don't need their approval. I'm not insecure. I don't need their friendship. I just want them to see Jesus. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go after it. If I look like a fool, I look like a fool. That's not that far of a path for me. I don't mind that so much. If God can get glory out of it. If I can say, come and see. And then at some point they'll go, well, the only reason we came was because of you. We know you and we came. But now we know that this is the Messiah. That is the biggest, that, that is my biggest goal right now. Outside of these four walls, that is by far my biggest goal. Lord, would you please cause people to get saved because of us? Would you please give us an opportunity? Would you please give me the words to say for Lucy and Joe, for Stacy and Tyrone, for Yara, for Gina? Lord, would you let me be the one? You can use whoever you want, and as long as you do it, I don't care, but I'm going to ask that I get to be a part of this. I can't wait till they come. I hope it's you guys that get to pray for them. I hope it's that you guys that get to prophesy over them and lay hands on them. I hope it's you guys that get to watch them be slain in the spirit or whatever else they need. You know why? Because he who sows and he who reaps can be joyous at the same time. I told you to turn to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to wrap it up. Verse 1, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. We had time. If you, have, if you don't have that little phrase underlined in your Bible, I would suggest that you do. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of of men grew to about 5,000. I love that everywhere you go, everywhere the apostles went, everywhere, the numbers were being added to the church daily. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. uh, Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Love this, love this, love this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, they healed the crippled man in the previous chapter, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, 
Uh, this is the same version of, this is the part where Jesus says, yes, you're, you are correct. You don't have a husband. This is, the, this is their, by their question, leads Peter because he's being led of the Holy Spirit. You're asking us who gave us this authority to do it? Well, I'll be glad to tell you. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You want to blame somebody? Blame it on Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't want you to get confused by anybody. I'm telling you who it is. He, stand, he is the stone you builders rejected, God, which has become the capstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other name. And if we know that there is no other name, and we are following this one who possesses this name, and are empowered by this same Jesus Christ, whom they crucified but God raised from the dead, if he is really in our lives, then we should always be focused on the them. You should always have a them focus in your life. You should always see the people around you. You should always see those who are hurting and be moved with compassion. Jesus was. He was. Just a few more scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2.1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. Huh. Man, I know we know John 3.16, but I mean it says it other places. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. An apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles, to everybody. <laughs> Turn to Acts chapter 2. There are so many places that you can go and see what people were doing, especially in the book of Acts. If you need to get some motivation, if you need to get your mojo back and reaching out to people, man, read through Acts. If you used to be pretty good at it and you kind of gotten a little timid, you read through that when they were persecuted, everywhere they were scattered, they preached to people. If I'm not being persecuted, that's what Timothy says, I'm going to preach to everybody. If I am being persecuted and have to move or have to do something... Well, praise God, you just put me in a different place, God, and I'm going to preach to them. If I get thrown in prison, then I'm going to preach to the people around me. I'm going to have a them focus. Acts chapter 2. Let's start in verse 37. Well, yeah, I guess 37. It's hard to break up this passage, sorry. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. When's the last time that your words cut somebody to the heart in the right kind of godly way? 
I've cut people to the heart before, not so much in a good way. When was the last time that you spoke to someone around you in your life and they were cut to the heart because of what you said? Hopefully it's been very recent. If it's not, then let's see. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Sounds like he's still talking about God so loved the world, right? For you, your children, and all who are far off. So for them, them, and more of them. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. That's just one day in the life of, of the gospel. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You want to know how to do it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Monday night. And to the fellowship, you're sharp, I like you people, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Pretty good little uh, outline for us to do. They devoted themselves. I mean devoted. Aren't you sickened by some of these things you're seeing across the globe right now with children who are being indoctrinated into an ISIS military camps? Have you seen the videos? Children younger than, than any of that I see in here, children. Um, there are people who are devoted to all kinds of things in this world. I just don't ever want to be out-devoted by anybody else. They devoted themselves. Don't let anything keep you from God's house. Don't let anything keep you from God's people. Don't let anything keep you from God's will in your life. If it costs you all you have, it's an easy sacrifice. I don't even, I even, I don't even like calling it a sacrifice anymore because that sounds like it was something that I had in the first place. God, you request it, I'm giving it to you. It's not a sacrifice, it's a joy. It's, it's my pleasure. It's not even a duty. I freely give it, it's yours anyway. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. Everybody say together. And had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to every, anyone as he had need. <laughs> every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Everybody say every day. Every day. It's almost like we got an everyday thing around in our church, right? We got somewhere you can go and find a Bible study, find a worship time, find a prayer meeting, find a something, something. Just about every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I could do a lot of other scriptures, but let's turn to John chapter 20 and let's wrap this up. Pastor Eric mentioned Proverbs 11.30, he who wins souls is wise. I want to be a wise man. I really do. I want to be one who wins souls. I realize God gives the increase, but I'm going to go out there and make myself available to everybody that I come in contact with. Um, 
John chapter 20 and verse, starting verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, big brave men that they were, (laughs) knees knocking, doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. When Jesus comes into your presence, it should change everything about you. That which was fearful, that which was insecure, is no longer those things because he's standing there with you. He said to them, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Do you think our Savior is not worth following? He showed them the sacrifice that he made. In case they forgot, in case they forgot really what Jesus had done, he showed them his hands and his side. The reason we come together, one of the reasons we come together as a church is really we're going to look and we're reminded of what he's done. When we take communion, when we get together, we're saying, hey, do you remember? Do you remember his hands? Do you remember what he did for us? Do you remember his side? Do you remember what he did for you? This is our, our holy huddle that we're supposed to then go perform out there what we've practiced in here. That's been a mantra for this church, a, a motto for this church for as long as I've known it. First day, not surprised at all. Perform out there what you practice in here. Um, let me encourage you not, um, not to just practice in here. I am not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to say, this is where we're going next. We all need to be doing this. If you're not doing this, okay, get over it. Go fix it. I mean, what do you want me to say? Don't, don't wallow in self-pity. I haven't been doing enough. Shut up. Get going. Is that pastoral enough for you? Just shut up. Right? Thank God when you're parents and you have kids, sometimes you just go, I've had enough, but you don't understand. I probably don't. Shut up. And I don't care to understand because all I need to know is, are you going to do it now? I don't, I don't need to know anything else from you. I don't want to hear you confess after about how you haven't done it. I just want you to figure out who you're going to go talk to tomorrow. I want to know who you're going to talk to this afternoon. I want you to, do you know your, the names of your neighbors? I hope so. If you don't, go knock on their door and bring them a plate of cookies. Uh, Go bring them health bars. I don't care what you bring them. (laughs) Bring them a glass of water in the name of Jesus, right? Learn your neighbors. If you don't know them, go learn them. If you don't have them, go find somebody in a store and get to know a, a clerk at a store. Your favorite Starbucks barista. Um. I know this is silly, but it fits in with what's going on. So I went into the coffee shop the other day to Beans Coffee. I'm not giving an advertisement. I just went into Beans the other day. It is the place to be. And I walked up to the counter, and I said, hey, I would like a barge. I said, I want to drink 
I want a very particular drink, and I want the barge. And the guy went, oh, yeah, okay. I was like, I have a picture of it because Justin Treister gave me, like, what it was actually made. It was, like, on, written on a subway thing, and so I took a picture of it so I could make sure that I said it right because I, I couldn't remember it. And so I just walked in and I said, I just, I just, I'd like a barge, please. And they went, okay, sir, and made it and brought it to me. I was like, I love this. I love it. So my friend, Baj, <laughs> frequents the coffee shop enough that they know who he is. And I didn't say I want the drink that Baj gets. I'm trying to force their hand into actually calling the drink the Baj and putting it up on the thing. I've actually talked to them about it. I really have. I'm, every time I go in there, I'm like, whether I want the Baj or not, I'm getting the Baj. Just so they... I love the fact that my friend, they know him, they know his drink, they know his preferences, they know who he is, because he's been in there and he's been life and a light in a coffee shop. I don't care how many neighbors you have, you find out who is around you and go come up with a fancy drink, (laughs) come up with something that you can get in their life and share it within the gospel, because... We're going to just do one song here at the end. Uh, let's, let's finish reading this. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As God the Father sent Jesus, Jesus in turn sends us. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I gave it to you earlier, right? The reason that we have the Holy Spirit... The reason that we have the gifts, they're so enjoyable. They're so incredible. They move my spirit. They move my soul every time they happen in our service. And they're for them. They're for us as well. And they're for them. You walk up to somebody and you tell them something that you're not supposed to know by the power and the anointing of God right in that moment when you're having a discussion and God allows you to turn that corner. God changes it just from a discussion to something divine. Or I guess I should say that when I, the point that I realized that it was something more divine than just a a friendly conversation. The reason that we have the Holy Spirit is for those moments. The reason that, that we're, that we try to get together and learn everything we can is so that we can come from any direction that they need, from wherever they are, to get them straight to the gospel. Anywhere they may be, whatever they may be thinking, we can go, reminds me of a story that the Bible talks about. And the story says this. You're saying this, but, you know, the Bible actually says this. And you walk them through. And you plant the seeds. and And you invest in them. The reason that we have the Holy Spirit is for them. Isn't that good? I want you to go ahead and stand with me.